Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Tuesday, February 21st. There we are. Um, this is We're treating this as the first day of the week through our study through the Gospel of Matthew. You weren't here yesterday, uh, President's Day, just taking... Um, a day off, and but now we're back at it here on this Tuesday morning, journeying through the Gospel of Matthew. It's probably a good opportunity um, to, to refresh everyone, maybe if you're new to this, what we do. We like to spend the week leading up to the Sunday sermon unpacking the text, um, exegeting it, pulling it apart, looking at it hermeneutically, themes, to sort of prepare us for that Sunday sermon. So instead of coming after the sermon, the way we did with Romans, and talking about the sermon sort of after the fact and the text after the fact, um, our goal in this is to really give you tools to help equip you to study the Bible for yourself. And so as we're walking through the text, it's, it's giving you the opportunity where you're hopefully, Lord willing, getting some of those, those tools to, to, to study the Word of God. And so, and it's also, I'll just be honest, it's been super helpful for me because it gets me um, aligned and thinking about that week's message as well. So we are in Matthew chapter four. Um, we're going to be in verses 18 through 22. Jesus calls the first disciples, okay? So let's read this passage and let's sort of use it as a time to mark our course for the week. Verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, you've heard me say it a bunch of times, going to keep on repeating it. Think about a passage as a set of concentric circles and uh, one circle in a circle in a circle in a circle. And, and the, the center circle of those circles, of course, is the meaning of the text, is the sort of the heartbeat of the text, the meaning, the, the, the essence of the thing that Matthew is attempting to communicate. And to, in order to get there, though, we need, to, we need to make our way through another set of circles, kind of starting from the outside, thinking about things like context, things about what comes before, what comes after this text, what, what's sort of the, the, the main things that we observe. It's really a passage, it's really an opportunity for observation. That, that's, that's really where we start in this sort of hermeneutical circle sort of thing. And so what we see here um, is that this passage comes after, right after Jesus begins his public ministry. Um, as we saw as we uh, last week, that Jesus um, is beginning his public ministry in Galilee. This is the year of his greatest favor and support from the crowds. Galilee is a densely populated area full of Jews, and, and Jesus is publicly ministering, declaring to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what comes after this passage, okay, if you look down in verse 23, there might be a little heading on your 
in your Bible says that says Jesus ministers to great crowds. And this is how we oftentimes think about the ministry of Jesus, of course, is teaching and preaching and healing and gathering people up and great crowds following him and those sorts of things. So why would Matthew put this little section, okay, in um, here? Why, why are we hearing about the calling of the first disciples, okay? And so during this first time, I encourage you to do this at the end of last week, but I think it's a, it's a, thing, a thing to also do, um, is again to consult a harmony of the Gospels and to try to understand where this flows in the, the, the timeline of what's happening um, in Jesus's three-year ministry. Now, one of the things that you'll do when you go to the book of John, okay, um, you'll notice that there John, Jesus has a series of interactions with a group of potential disciples, um, some of whom we see now here. And one of the questions that we are come up with is how, I mean, there's several, okay? One is, how does what happened a year ago where Jesus seems to be engaging these disciples and calling them to consider his claims, how does that, how do we reconcile that with this? This is, seems to be an incident that's kind of like John chapter one, but yet different and about a year later in the time of chronology, how, how are we to how are we to reconcile those things? Okay, that that that's one question. Um, there is a second question that um, is important to consider, and this would be that um, how is it that seemingly on a whim um, these disciples leave what they are doing and follow Jesus? I mean, this seems kind of fanciful, right? Jesus is walking along. He sees two brothers, Simon, Andrew, tells them to follow him. He, they immediately follow him. How does that work? I mean, just willy-nilly, sight unseen. The same things happen to James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're working, sight unseen. Jesus comes by, says, follow me. He says they immediately followed him. How... How do we make sense of that? Now, let me just say, I think the first question is related to the second question. You see, if, um, if, if indeed Jesus had contact with these disciples at times or a time prior to the incident of Matthew 4, then it would make a little more sense, right? That, hmm, okay, this isn't the first time they've interacted with Jesus. This isn't the first time they've heard about him or talked with him. This is just the decisive time when they decide to follow him. And when you think about it in that way and realize, oh, John tells us they may have very well had interactions before this, it kind of gives us a sense, right, that this helps us understand how, how this calling might have worked, okay? Um, there's a couple other things that you might immediately note about this passage. One, it says that um, in every case, there is a call and then there is an immediate response. All right. So that's, that's something to be explored. What, 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 what are we saying there? Is this like a picture of salvation? 
Is this a picture of the way that calling should work? Okay, what, what, what is the main message here? Is it about calling? Is it about salvation? Is it just historical? Okay, I think one of the ways that we can begin to think about that is that, is that as part of his public ministry, Jesus very clearly saw it as the, as the highest of priorities to disciple a group of men. And that this kingdom that he's establishing, um, while it involves the fixing of things and the healing of diseases and, and medical conditions and exorcism of demons, those kind of things, but it fundamentally involves the transformation of people's hearts, minds, and souls. That is the central calling that, that Jesus has upon whoever we are, okay? So, so again, these are all questions, issues. I'm just raising and throwing out some hypothetical possibilities um, as, to, as to how we're to sort of think about these passages. The other thing that we note here is that this, this command to follow him is followed with a with sort of a... It's, I'm trying to think. It, this command to follow is also, is also immediately followed by this um, call to a specific kind of ministry. So in other words, Jesus says, I know that you are fishing for fish. That is your living. That is your vocation. Follow me. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to minister, serve, and capture men, quote unquote. And that again should give us a sense that whatever one thinks of one's calling, okay, that there's always this spiritual component of it, which means living on mission for the kingdom. Okay. Now, let me pause. And just say, you may say, Pastor Paul, that sounds like you threw a bunch of stuff against the wall, and we're sort of supposed to come behind you and pick up the pieces, to which I would say, that is precisely it, okay? Um, that's precisely it. I've raised and pointed out some issues with this text, all right, some questions that arise. How do we, how do we synchronize it with the other Gospels? Um, is this the first time Jesus has interacted with them? What does this mean to be fishers of men? What is this sense of being, there's sort of an immediacy of call? Um, all of these things, I think, are now fair game for you to go and use as a template, okay, to begin to unpack this passage. So again, using your study Bible, using your commentary, it's a very short text, 18 through 22, begin to dig in begin to um, dive into this text, and that when we're again together tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll start to work through these issues one at a time, so that by the time we get to the end of the week, we kind of have that golden nugget, that, that circle within the circle, sort of the, the central meaning um, of this text and what we're to do with that and how we're to apply it. Okay, that should get us going for the week. Um, see you back here tomorrow. Let me pray. Lord, this is a powerful thing to be called by you. It's a powerful thing to align ourselves with you. And so, Father, we ask now that you would um, go before us as we study this passage, that we can glean from it, um, grow in it, understand it, walk in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.